Hi, I'm Hattie and welcome to Hattie Talks. I'm so, so happy to be back after a 10-month break and I look forward to exploring maths over the next few months with episodes being published every other Sunday at 10am GMT. I feel there's no better way to kick off the series than with the first Hattie Talks episode I ever planned. Even before I started Hattie Talks, I knew that if I ever started a podcast, I wanted to talk about Nicholas Bourbaki. By all accounts, Nicholas Bourbaki was born on the 10th of December 1934. Or rather, he wasn't, as Nicholas Bourbaki never actually existed. Post-World War I, the study of mathematics was essentially in a state of disarray, as many mathematics scholars had been sent to the front line and hadn't returned meaning there were fewer contributors and therefore fewer new ideas in the study of maths. And this would continue for decades, leaving the field fragmented and lacking innovation. Also, and arguably more significantly, there was a lack of common language between the branches of mathematics, making it harder for ideas to be applied across multiple disciplines and theories to be shared and developed. The story of Bourbaki begins at the École Normale Supérieure in 1934, where two French mathematicians, André Weil and Henri Carton, who were studying there at the time, found the textbook for their calculus class so disconnected and garbled that they vowed that they would write a better one. And so, the first group of nine mathematicians who would operate under the pseudonym Bourbaki had their first meeting on the 10th of December 1934 at a Parisian café named Capolade. Little would anyone know that this day would mark the birth of one of the most important and influential mathematicians of the 20th century. The result of this meeting and the meetings and seminars that would follow was the mathematical treatise Elements de Mathematique, or Elements of Mathematics, a mathematical treatise that aimed to create a consistent logical framework which connected all disciplines of mathematics, or, in Bourbaki's words, defined for 25 years the syllabus for the Certificate in Differential and Integral Calculus by writing, collectively, a treatise on analysis. It's impossible to talk about a mathematician, whether they actually existed or not, without considering the theories they proposed and the changes they made to the field. Surprisingly, Bourbaki isn't actually attributed to any single major discovery, but yet his influence and the emphasis he placed on logical methods are still felt today. Bourbaki insisted on mathematics being set in a formal language with clear deductions based on strict rules. However, he wasn't the first to apply this approach, but perhaps he did so to the greatest extreme. At the end of the 19th century, two mathematicians, Bertrand Russell and Alfred North Whitehead, filled over 700 pages with formal symbols before concluding and revealing that this abbreviated to and established the simple equation 1 plus 1 equals 2. And yet somehow, Bourbaki's formality overshadowed this. Most famously, he used 4.5 trillion symbols to simply define the number 1. The Bourbaki group also became well known for their work on functions, the first step to this was giving new, clear definitions to mathematical objects, one of which being functions. So, when we talk about functions, we're often told to consider a machine, one that takes an input, does something to it, and spits out an output. But the Bourbaki group thought of it like a bridge between two sets of numbers, which allowed them to make assumptions as to the nature of the bridge, or rather, the nature of the function. By doing this, they were able to define functions specifically injective, subjective and bijective functions. The simple explanation of these is best explained if you consider two sets, set A and set B, and items within them A's and B's respectively, and it is the function which turns set A into set B. With an injective function, there is only one A matching each B. This is why this function is also known as one-to-one. -one. However, we can also have a B without matching A. 
With a subjective function, every B has at least one matching A. There cannot be a B without a matching A, and some Bs will have multiple matching As. With a bijective function, every A has a matching B. I hope that all that makes sense, because the next thing to consider is inverse functions. Inverse functions are only possible with bijective functions, because if every A has a matching B, every B must also have a matching A. This was yet another theory which Bulbaki helped establish and formalise through the use of structured, strict mathematical notation. To move on a bit to the slightly less complicated and slightly more humorous side of the existence of Bulbaki, when the mathematicians decided to write under the pseudonym of Nicholas Bulbaki, they also decided to create an identity for him. They got the name from an old French general who'd been tricked in the Franco-Prussian War. They then decided to expand the identity further, and when asked, the members would describe Bulbaki as being a reclusive Russian genius who enjoyed playing chess in Parisian cafes and who would only meet with trusted collaborators. Their joke inspired others and a group of young mathematicians from Princeton, New Jersey also decided to create a group which they gave the pseudonym E.S. Ponditry, who they then gave another pseudonym, H.W.O. Petard. The joke continued in Paris and the group sent telegrams under Bulbaki's name, created a full family lineage all the way back to an ancestor Napoleon Race's own son, and even published wedding invitations for the wedding of Bulbaki's daughter Betty, who they married off to the aforementioned Petard. And then, in conversations, insisted on the existence of Bulbaki, going as far as to scathingly insult anyone who believed otherwise. The existence of Bulbaki continued for decades, with the group deciding to hold regular Bulbaki conferences three times a year to discuss new chapters to add to the treatise Elements de Mathematique. In 1968, the group decided that they could no longer maintain the ruse, and so printed the obituary of Bulbaki, which they littered with mathematical puns. However, Bulbaki lives beyond the grave and is now in his 83rd year of publishing research. The pseudonym has spanned multiple generations, involved dozens of influential mathematicians, and the group, with its constantly changing members, still holds regular seminars at the University of Paris, and in 2016 published the 11th volume of the Elements de Mathematique. The original Bulbaki mathematicians revolutionised the field of mathematics, and the members since have continued to do so, with Bulbaki having his greatest influence in the 50s and 60s. Not only was Bulbaki likely the last mathematician to master nearly all aspects of the field, despite, granted, technically being about nine mathematicians, the Bulbaki's group's systematic and logical approach to abstract problems and principles changed the way people thought about mathematics in the early to mid-20th century. No longer was math seen as an intuitive science in which creativity was vital and logic strained creativity, but rather as a logical, structured science which demanded proper notation, theory and deductions. The rebellious group of mathematicians ignored convention and transformed the study of mathematics. Thank you so much for listening to Hattie Talks. I hope you enjoyed it and found it informative. This podcast has a new episode published every other Sunday, so keep an eye out. Thanks and bye for now.